February 17th, 2022, and let's go back to five lines from the top, two words before the end of the line, Amarle, says the Gemara, Amarle, Rebizera turns to Abaye and asks him a question, again, 53a, five lines from the top, Stanley, Amarle, Rebizera turns to Abaye and asks, She'ar haniskalin, the question that he poses goes as follows. The Mishnah, later on on the page, will tell us about She'ar HaNiskalim. It'll tell us about all the Niskalim, but what he's referring to is the She'ar HaNiskalim. She'ar HaNiskalim, he's referring to the circumstances where the Torah does not explicitly say that you get sikila, that you get put to death with stoning. There's a good amount, I think 18 circumstances, the Mishnah will enumerate where you get sikila. Some of them, it's explicit. Avodah Zarah, sikila. Hilul Shabbat, sikila. Migadev, a person who blasphemes, curses God, sikila. Those are explicit. There are many, however, which are not explicit. They're derived, the Gemara will tell us on Dafnun Dalet, from Ovi De'oni, Ovi circumstances as well in that Mishnah where you get sikila, cases of sorcery. And the understanding of the Hachamim is there's a Gezerah Shava. We link up all these other circumstances where the Torah is not explicit about the death penalty. We know you get death penalty. We don't know what type of execution to Ovi to derive, to understand that these circumstances as well is Besikila. That's the groundwork. That's what you're supposed to be working with. A little out of order? All right, a little out of order. But that's what you're supposed to know already at this point. He asks him, he says, when we derive it from Ovi you know, there's a double wording in the Pasuk. By Ovi the Pasuk says, first and foremost, it says, Motiumatu. It says, they shall surely be put to death. And secondly, it says, Demehimbam, their blood is upon them. It's two references to the guilt and an execution of these individuals, of that individual who's a sorcerer. Well, when we now derive a Gezerah Shabbat, when we now link up all those other circumstances to there, it's, is it with the parallel words of Motiumatu or Motiumat? Or is it alternatively from the words of Demehimbam or Dambo or something along those lines? You might say, who cares? Well, give it a few moments to question who cares. But at this point, it seems like a theoretical question. What are the mechanics? What's the ABCs of this methodology? I get it. You're learning from Ovi Yudaoni. I understand as well what the Pasuk says over there. There's a double wording. Which one of those two references is what links up to others? Amar the response is, well, quite simply. It says, Bidmehem Dimehem Bam Gamre. We derive it from the fact that in other circumstances it mentions blood, Dimehem, and over here by Oviyadoni it says Dimehem Bam. That's the Derasha. Dimehem links up to, you know, dash, Dimehem Bam Gamre. That's how we derive this. That's how we learn to all those other circumstances. Again, a whole list of circumstances, situations where a wrongdoing is punishable by sekila, it's derived from that gezerah shava. Di explains Rava, if it were bemotiumatu gamre, if it was from the pasuk of motiumatu, or the words, it's the same pasuk, dimehem dimehem lamali, then why would I have a double reference in the pasuk of both motiumatu, you should surely be put to death, and dimehem bam, it must be dimehem is the critical, hard-to-understand words which are only there 
not to add anything to the context. We know you're putting them to death. You don't need to tell me the blood's upon them. It's only there as a point of reference to link up to other circumstances. They're words which are there as code words. It's Torah code. It's there. Take these words and understand these words that they link you up to other circumstances, situations in the Torah to teach laws. Says Gemara, that's all very nice, but maybe the mehimbam, their blood is upon them, is the primary reference, and motiumatu is the extra words. And why do you determine? Answers Rava, we'll see in just a moment. Motiumatu, that double wording of surely put to death, is necessary legal for. It's necessary to teach you a law in context. Do you understand again? It goes like this. The Pasuk says that if you're an Ovid, only you practice this sorcery, sorcery or whatever type, the Mishnah, the Gemara, will make clear the difference between the two. If you do so, you get Sekilah. Says the Torah, but I'll tell you how. Motiumatu, surely be put to death. Not only that, the Mehembam. All right, says Rava, it goes like this. The Mehembam, code words. Motiumatu, something else. What's Motiumatu for? It could have just said, kill. Yamutu. What? Motiumatu, surely be put to death. Says the Gemara, Elamai, Bidemehem, Elamai. Rather, what's the case? Demehem, Demehem, Gamre. We're learning from the, those words of Demehem, the blood reference. Motiumatu, Lamali. So then, what do I have the reference of Motiumatu? Answers the Gemara with a Beraita, as we learned yesterday. Kiddetanya, as the Beraita teaches. Motiumat, Hamake, Roseahu. In the context of Roseah, which is a different punishment, that's not Resiha, that's Saif, as we derived and explained already. All I would know is he put to death the Roseah, the murderer, in the way that the Torah tells you. How do you know that if this individual is elusive? or our resources are diminished to the extent that we can't in this situation or any other circumstance where the Torah uses those words, motumat, the double wording, you shall surely put put to, put to death, that we don't need to bind ourselves and say, well, we don't have the sword handy. Well, uh, this person seems to be running away, can't do anything to him. How do I know that in those circumstances where the Torah has the double wording that I put him to death with any method necessary? The derasha is you put that individual to death in any way, shape, or form necessary. Well, that all being the case, says the Gemara, we've therefore come to a resolution. We understand when we're dealing with all the mitot sekila, the execution cases of stoning, and I'm uncertain what the punishment is because the Torah is not explicit. I know the, the mechanics are, I go to Ovi Oni, and now I understand that the Rasha is from the words, Dimehimbam, not from Motiumatu. Says the Gemara, I mean, is this all just theoretical? Was there something practical? Was there something at stake, something that was bothering Rabbi Zera? Amar le Ravahamidifti le Ravina, vi ibe Motiumatu gamre maika kashiale. Says, says, says one to the other, Rabbi Hamid Difti to Ravina, he says, if the derasha really were from Motiumatu, we just said it's not. We said the derasha is from Demehembam. Let's say it was from Motiumatu. Let's say the derasha, I mean, is this really? This is all rabbinic uh, you know, shenanigans. It's, uh, it's from here, it's from there. But uh, Maika Kashiale, what was Rabbi Zera really by being bothered by? Was there some halakha that was going to change? Was there something that would not make sense to him, so to speak? Ilema, perhaps, Ilema means, if you'll say, Eshet Ishka Maybe what was bothering Rabbi Zera was the following. Eshet Ish. Eshet Ish is a circumstance where a woman has wrongful relations with a man when she's married. 
She's married, she has relations with another person. In that circumstance, we already established on Dafnun Bet at the bottom, what's the punishment? Panic. Well, in the context of Eshet Ish, the Torah says, Mot Yumat. You shall surely be put to death. Put to death. Well, wait a second. If you're telling me then, the suggestion is, that Mot Yumatu is my linchpin, is I, I plug everything back into those words, it means that a circumstance of Eshetish, the punishment should not be as we've been assuming all along, Henek. It should rather be sikilab. Now, if you tell me it's bedimehimbam, so there's no reference of those words in the context of noefah noafet of eshetish. It's specifically you have the words motumatu. Maybe that's what he was bothered by. You threw off our whole system, our whole system, which we've been working with in the last few days. But in Talmudic literature, always is eshetish. What's the punishment? Hanek setamita hanek strangulation shouldn't be if the derasha is from motumatu. It should maybe be sikilab. Says the Gemara, lemete ulimigmar motiumat meobiyedoni. Perhaps the motiumat, which Rabbi Zera was being bothered by, if we're actually deriving from the words motiumatu, for all those cases in the Mishnah that's coming up are learned from motiumatu. Why is eshetish any different? Why would eshetish get chenek? Why wouldn't eshetish get sekila? Malehalan the same way by obiyedoni. It's explicit in Torah biskila, afkan biskila. So too over here it should be biskila. Maybe that's what Rabbi Zera was bothered by. Says the Gemara, it's not camp. The whole thing is still theoretical. We can't understand what Rabbi Zerah was actually being bothered by because ultimately speaking, it can't be that that's what was bothering Rabbi Zerah because if you look in the Torah, in Parashat Kitese, the Torah says explicitly, in Arusa, in Aram Orasa, a woman who's engaged, who has wrongful relations, she's already bound up to her husband-to-be during engagement. Again, we're talking about halachic engagement, with the Kinyan. In that circumstance, the Torah says she gets put to death by stoning. Now, Arusa, as we've discussed, and I know, Jared, a little hard to understand based on the psychology of, let's call it today, but an Arusa was looked at as the more sensitive, inappropriate time for wrongful relations. As a result, the punishment had to be elevated, had to be higher by Arusa. Says the Torah, Arusa is biskila. Nisua, married woman, noefa, noafet, eshetish, this circumstance can't be sekila as well. As a result, motiumatu would never have even crossed my mind to link up to oviyadauni because I would have known immediately there's a punishment by wrongful relations for a married woman. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's skila. No, it can't be skila because an engaged woman is skila. Has to be that we went down in terms of severity of punishment for a married woman. As a result, we would still land with chenek. So if you're just following the technicalities, just a moment or two more of them, we're still bothered of Rabbi Zera in asking Rava, is the derasha from Motiumatu or is it from Demehimbam? Was that all just uh, exercise in uh, rabbinic analytics? Or was there something more to it? Says the Gemara Ve'ela, maybe what was bothering him was The understanding is that if you strike your parents, nobody should, if a person were to strike their parents, under specific circumstances, the punishment is hanik. 
Now the Torah says in that context, mot yumat. Well, maybe that was what was bothering him. We know the punishment is hanik. It's not sekila. And as a result, says Rabbi Zerah, if our words, the primary words from where we're learning everything is mot yumatu, so it says mot yumatu over there as well, shouldn't be behenik, it should be biskila. Maybe that's what his issue was. Lemete, we should bring that ulamigmar me'oviyudu'oni. Maybe that's what the question of Rabbi Zerah, if you're really learning from mot yumatu, why do we always say Makavivimo is different? Why is Makavivimo a mitah of hanek, of strangulation, the lowest on our, uh, our rung of, of severities? Why isn't it the most? Sekila, learn it from Oviyudoni. So I was thinking, it, it, it wouldn't work that way. It couldn't be that's what Rabbi said I was bothered by. Adigamreme Oviyudoni, Ligmeru Meeshitish, the Iatarashai, Lemoshcha, Lehachmir Aleha. So I was thinking, listen, you would have had the following dilemma. Again, if, our, if, our, if we were deriving from motiumatu, it would mean that I have in the context of skila, those words, motiumatu, and I have in the context of hanik, eshet ish, motiumata as well. Yes, I have two circumstances where the Torah uses those words. For some reason, apparently, tradition tells us all those words can be linked up one to the other. That's what's difficult in the whole sugya over here. We're playing with Gezerah Shava, whereas in general, we assume Gezerah Shava is a Masoret, is a tradition, is accepted. As a result, how's the Gemara playing with this? The Mephashim get bothered by that. There's no simple cell over here. But anyway, says the Gemara, if that was your option, you have Mot Yumat by Eshetish, which is Hainik, you have Mot Yumatu by Ovi Yedoni, which is Skila, and I have on the bottom, I have those two at the top as my options. I have the bottom. Which one am I drawing the line to? Am I drawing the line to Sekila or am I drawing my line to Hanek? The answer would be if it's a Makom Safek, I'm uncertain. What are you going to do? You're going to be more Mekil. You never would have been more Mahmir. Here's the circumstance. I'm uncertain what to do. You can't in your own mind, in your own understanding, rabbis or scholars alike, you can't determine to give the more severe one. You have two options. You give the less severe one, which was the logic, if you recall, of, uh, of Rabbi of Rabbi Oshia yesterday in general stating that when we don't know the punishment, we give hanik. So, so to over here, if you have two options, hanik or sekila, you would have given hanik ela rather, so says the Gemara, so then what was the issue? Amar le she'ar haniskalin kufayu kakashiale. The ibamot yumat gamre adigamre veoviyodoni ligmeru me'eshetish. Rather, this is really what was bothering Rabbi Zerah. And with this, we finish this discussion. He says he was bothered by, as we're going to read in just a moment, and really just in a moment now, in the Mishnah that's to come, there are many circumstances where you get sekila. How do we derive that they are sekila? The answer is we learn it from oviyodoni. The Gemara will tell us that on Dafnun Dalit in a Beraita. Well, that being the case, how do I know that I should learn from Ovi Yedoni? Maybe I should take another circumstance in the Torah where I have the words Mot Yumat and link this circumstance of whatever I'm dealing with, I'm uncertain, this situation where the Torah doesn't explicitly say Sekila, I have an option. Link it up to a case where the severity is lower or link it up to a case where the severity is Sekila, the highest. Which one are you going to do? To The Mishnah is going to tell us we link it up to Sekila. That's very hard to understand. Why should I be linking it up to Sekila? I should be more lenient over here. I should be giving Hanek. Says Tosafot, maybe Sai, but I shouldn't be giving Sekila. 
That's what Rabbi Zera was stating clearly in his conversation with Rava. If you tell me it's from Dimehimbam, I understand. None of those circumstances will have the words mentioned in their situation. None, none of, the, of the more lenient situations, the Eshetish, the Saif, have the words Dimehimbam. As a result, if I'm going to take, when all the dust settles, it goes like this, I'm going to take these cases that I'm about to mention, and I have them in a stage, go back several thousand years, I'm uncertain what the punishment is. I don't know what the punishment is, and I have an option over here. If it's a linking in to the words mot yumatu, I have several options. I have lenient options, and I have more severe options. I don't know which one to go with. I'm going to go with the more lenient. However, if I'm learning it from the words demehimbam, if my tradition is the key words over here are demehimbam, I only have that mentioned by sikila. As a result, I'm going to say all these cases, what's the punishment? Sikila. I can't say the other punishments because I don't have those words, mehimbam, in the context of henik or of saif. Well, that's the technicalities. Those are the mechanics that go into this next Mishnah. Again, we preceded the Mishnah with this conversation. I'm not fully certain why. The best I can come up with is we have this underlying understanding of we're going to go with the more lenient punishment, which is words we mentioned at the bottom of Dafnun Bet Amud Bet. Otherwise, I mean, it's really out of place. It belongs after the Mishnah. We haven't even read about this. We don't even know what Oviyadoni is. But that's the way the Gemara has it. But here's that Mishnah we've been talking about for some time now. Says the Mishnah, okay, we've dealt with the four mitot betin, how to do them. Now we've got to deal with what they are. What are the sins which merit these punishments, or I don't know, not merit, demerit, whatever the word is. What are the sins that give you these punishments? Elohen haniskalin, here's the list of those who would get sikila, get put to death with that punishment we described in the last pedic. Haba al ha'em, a person who has relations with his mother. Ve'al eshet ha'av, and even if it's not his mother, if it's a woman, alternatively, he's just married to his husband. A second marriage, a second wife, whatever. What do we call it? Father. Oh, I said to his mother? Yes. A woman married to his We have bigger issues then. A woman married to his father. And it's a father who has relations with his daughter-in-law, married to his son. It's a male who has relations with another male. And a male who has relations with an animal. Or alternatively, a woman brings the animal upon her. It needs to be that she brings the animal upon her, otherwise she's being raped by the animal. She wouldn't be punished in the, in, with sikila. What's that? What do you mean? With a male, of course, and in a male, there's an action. That much we understand. When I, when I, with a woman, where there's no action, it has to be that she brings it on to her. Uh, you're right. So instead of saying it as, as in contrast to rape, it's in contrast to not having action. The hamigadif, the next on the list, is a person who blasphemes, a person who uh, curses uh, God. We have that from Parashat Emor. That was the circumstance. Kilo Porash. We didn't know what to do. The punishment we found out at the end of Parashat Emor was Sikila. Ha'oved avodat kochavim, person who's an idolater, person or, or rather commits idolatry. He, he uh, worships avodat zarah. Ve'hanoten molech. This is an old practice of idolaters. You'd take your child, your firstborn child very often, and you'd move the child and kill them by moving them through two uh, bonfires of sorts, the Gemara, the Beraita, will describe this to us. What seems clear over here, as Rashi points out in the Mishnah, is we're assuming that's not per se a way of Avodah Zarah. 
It's not necessarily Avodazara, otherwise it's identical to Avodazara. You just told me Avodazara. There'll be an opinion in the Gemara that says that you can distinguish these two, that there's an Oved Avodazara, and then there's, aside from Avodazara, just some other ridiculous and crazy way, you kill your firstborn for other reasons of some sort or another. Those are the words we've been describing or mentioning thus far. The Gemara will help us understand, the Mishnah will help us understand exactly what those are. But for now, ways of sorcery. Mentioned in the Torah. The person who violates Shabbat, one of the 39 melachot of Shabbat. We're dealing with Isurim min ha-Torah, right? Mukse, for example, is not an Isur from the Torah. 39 melachot, the Avot and the Toladot, they and their derivatives are all Isurim min ha-Torah. If done purposefully, the halacha is that you get sekilah. A person who curses his parents, well, a person who curses his parents, well, wait a second, didn't we just a few lines ago talk about and We said Makeavivimo, the punishment was Henek. How interesting, how strange. Makeh, if you strike your parents, you get put to death by strangulation, the lowest in terms of death penalty severities. If you curse your parents, you get the highest, you get Sekila. Of course, you know, this will be the, the counter to sticks and stones may break my bones. But says Rashi more specifically, says Rashi, the difference over here is in both circumstances, it's a bizayon. It's a, it's, it's, shameful, it's a shameful act to your parents. However, the case of Mikalela Vivimo includes as well using God's name uh, profanely. In other words, the curse over here is not just, I don't know, a contemporary curse. It's using God's name. As a result, you have the double the double wrongful act by Mekalel. Whereas Makeh has Bizayon, Mekalel has Bizayon plus Hilul Hashem, and as a result, Mekalel Avivimos, the Mishnah tells us, as Rashi explains to us, is more Hamur gets Sekila, as opposed to Makeh Avivimos, striking them gets, I hate to say it, just Chenek. The al Na'araham Orasa, this is what we mentioned explicitly in the Torah and Parashat Kitese, a person who has relations with that Na'ara, young woman, right, before she's fully matured, Me'orasa means that she's engaged. Uh, as we said, if you have relations with a Nisua, it's more, it's less severe, it's Chenek. The Hamesit, the Hamediah, those are two separate situations, although we always group them together. Mesit is when a, one person brings another individual to Avodah Zarah. He has a way of being persuasive, brought him to Avodah Zarah. The Mesit, the, wrong, the one who brings that individual to Avodah Zarah, we call him a Mesit. Who's the first Mesit in, in history? No, the Nahash is the first Mesit in history. The Hamediach, that's the way we always say it, that's the way the Chachamim always say it. The Hamediach is when you bring a whole group of individuals to Avodah Zarah, like Ir Hanidachat, right? when you bring them all astray. So it's the same idea, it's just on a larger scale. I guess you can't go higher than Sekila, so both Mesit and Mediach get the same punishment of uh, Sekila. Vehamechashef is just another type of sorcery, of witchcraft. Uben Sorer Umore, we've discussed this, there's an entire Perek Masechet Sanhedrin called Ben Sorer Umore, it's an individual who's a child, the Torah tells us, it appears, who's Enenu Shomea, the Kola Imo, is not listening to his parents, but not only that, he's Zolel Vesove, and the Gemara will tell us it's, it's an individual who's, who's wrongfully acting in hedonistic, pleasurable activities, eat, overeating meat and wine and so forth, and his parents warn him, they have to start listening to them, and they bring him to Beit Din and so forth, it's a shocking and jarring narrative and description, because that's the way you're putting, to, okay, we'll deal with that. Of course, the Gemara says the Torah is Yad 
Maredah, the Torah, uh, descends, so to speak, into the way of human beings. And knows if that's what he's doing now, he could only imagine what he's doing in the future. Stanley, of course, will tell us, I think, but didn't that never happen? Indeed, there's an opinion in the Gemara that it never happened, but there's a counter-opinion. I was there at his tombstone, says one of the other opinions, at his burial plot. Uh, so there's, there's two opinions as to whether Ben Sorel More ever happened. Haba al Ha'im. Okay, so that's, that's the, all the cases. Now we're going to get a little bit more detailed. Now we're going to talk about if you didn't do B'mezid, you rather did a B'shogeg. How could a person have relations with Shogeg? You didn't know. I don't know. You grew up under a, under a rock. You grew up in a cave. And you didn't realize that the Yisur from the Torah is having relations with your mother. And as a result, this person has relations with his mother. How many did a B'shogeg? How many Korban Hatats does he get? Again, if he did a B'mezid, he gets Sekilah. If he does a B'shogeg, he has to bring sacrifice. And the Halakha is the Gemara at the end of Masech Not the end. Close to the end. Afyodal in Masech says that there's a Hiyuv, even if it's one action with one person, if you have many chayuvim all in one, in other words, several transgressions all in one activity, you bring several korbanot. It's not like death penalty you can't be put to death more than once. It's bringing sacrifices. It's using your money, bringing it to the mikdash. You have to bring several sacrifices. So haba al ha'im person who has relations with his mother. Explains to us, and you'll understand why in a moment. It has to be that the, I'll tell you right now, has to be that the mother after the death of his father. Why is it after the death of his father? Because otherwise you'd have an extra violation. We're about to read two violations of her being eshet ish. She's a married woman. The fact that we don't list eshet ish explains to us if it must be that we're dealing with after the death of the father. But how many other violations are there? Hayav aleha mishum em. First and foremost, there's a korban hatat because the wrongful act of having relations with your mother. Ve umishum eshetav. Remember the Mishnah told us there's two separate violations. Your mother and then there's the woman who's married to your father. Well, if she's a woman who's married to your father who happens to be your mother, does that mean there's only one violation? Well, there's two violations. And if your father's alive, there's three violations. She's eshet isha as well. Inexplicably, although the Gemara will help us at the very onset with this statement, Rabbi Yudah says, no, there's only one violation. What's the one violation? Your mother. But she happens to be your father's wife as well. Why is it only for your mother? Okay, the Gemara will explain that opinion. At the very onset. Next, Habaal hi eshet av. All right, so what about if it's not your mother, but it's rather the mother who's married to your father, and you wrongfully but mistakenly have relations with her? How many korban hatat? Hayav mishum eshet av. First and foremost, the Torah says no relations with your father's wife. Umishum eshet ish. And if your father's still alive, it's also that she's a married woman. Those are the two violations in that situation. Ben b'chaye aviv, ben l'achar mitat aviv, ben min ha'erusin, ben min ha'nisuin, misleading words over here as Rashi points out because it says over here initially it says whether it's during the lifetime of his father or after the death of his father just a moment ago you're, if you heard me I said to you Tosafot and they're really explaining it based on what we know the Halachan from the Gemara if it's during the lifetime of your father so then certainly there's Eshet Ish if it's after the lifetime of your father it's not that a woman who was married once if her husband dies she's no longer eshet ish that's that's very clear and, and understandable she's not married any longer and as a result those words ben bahayav ben lahar mitataav are on the hayuv of eshet aviv the wife of your father not married woman status but the wife of your father exists forever whether your father's alive or your father's not alive she was once and will always be quote the wife of your father she might be not be a current wife 
wife, and as a result, there won't be eshet ish. But eshet av will always exist even after the death of your father or of a person's father. Furthermore, ben minai edusin, ben minai nisuin. It's irrespective of whether they're married or just engaged. This is the same halacha. Haba'al. Lastly, in the Mishnah, two lines, three lines before the Mishnah finishes. Haba'al kalato. Person who has relations with his daughter-in-law. Hayav alea mishum kalato. First and foremost, there is a korban hatat for daughter-in-law. Umishum, and if your son's still alive, eshetish. Now again, same misleading words. Ben behaye beno, ben lahar mitat beno. It's not so if it's eshet ish violation. Eshet ish violation would only be during the lifetime. If it's after the death, there's no eshet ish. When we reference those words, as Rashi points out again, those words are referring to the hayuv of kalato, your daughter-in-law. Relations with the daughter-in-law is irrespective of whether your son is alive or not. You'll have that violation and in turn that korban hatat. What's that? Yehuda, who are we talking about? Yehuda is a very hard and inexplicable circumstance. Keep in mind, he says, Sadekami many. He says that she is. But the Mishnah is saying that scenario outside of Yehuda is. is a problematic situation. Kalato is a very problematic situation. You see, which, which of course only raises the issue, which is a good one, an important one. It's, not good. It's an important one. So he says, she's, uh, we remember Yehuda so righteously. What a great guy. We remember Tamar so greatly. She didn't embarrass him. But wait a second. Let's just talk about what took place over there. So Ramban Nachmani, his commentary to the Torah, suggests this. Again, it's, it's a father-in-law and daughter-in-law. <laughs> That's wrongful activity, and objectively. It's as if this is something good. Not only that, and her children's, the descendants, lead to David HaMelech. Are we proud of this? Is this something? Says Ramban, those are my words. Ramban doesn't get sentimental. Says Ramban, it works like this. Before the Torah was given, there was the concept of continuing the family name, which we have today, with Yibum. It didn't only exist with brothers. It existed with any of the family members. This was just a general principle, which makes a lot of sense. In other words, there's a family member who now passed away, had a wife, doesn't have any children. We want to continue that family name. There was a mitzvah. There was something appropriate, not mitzvah, you didn't have Torah, it was something appropriate activity to be taken on by any of the family members as a result. Again, prior to the Torah, it was not per se seen as a wrongful activity in the most uh, simple sense. Yes. So just that's right. Always korban hatat is mistaken. If it's purpose. No, only if it's. It's only one activity. It's only one relations. It happens to be a problematic woman. No, he didn't do so many things. That's it. it the, count, the, the parallel of Sekila is korban hatat in this circumstance. Ben min ha'irusin, ben min ha'nisuin. The kalato, the daughter-in-law of your son, is not only if he was married to her, it's even if he was engaged to her. Says the Gemara at the very beginning over here, Tanya. Tanya is a beraita. It's going to bring us back to try to understand that opinion of Rabbi Yehuda a little bit better. Rabbi Yehuda, at the end of our Mishnah, second half of the Mishnah, told us that in the circumstance of a person who has wrongful, mistaken relations with his father's wife, happens to be his mother as well, there's only one hayuv. What's the one hayuv? Eshetav bilvad. That's the word. Excuse me. Rabbi Yehuda, we know mishum ha'em bilvad. It's only for your mother, not for her being your father's husband, your father's wife. Why not? She is your father's wife. I mean, your mother, you can't get away from that. It's biological. But your father's wife, that, that's the reality as well. Could you find a circumstance that we're talking about where Rabbi Yehuda might be stating his opinion? So the Gemara will. Before we even read it, I'll tell you the circumstance. We have to just figure out the technicalities, the specifics. But it's a situation where the relations with the father 
was a wrongful relations to the extent that she's not considered the wife of the hus- of the father. Do you understand? So you want to find some sort of quasi-situation where the bihuda, in contrast to the hachamim, will say, no, she's not really the wife of your father. She is your mother. She's not really the wife of And the hachamim are going to respond, no, this is considered the wife. That's what you need to find. As a result, you'll see it now in the Beraita, the bihuda omer, im lo hayeta immo reuya aviv. If the mother was not reuya, was not appropriate for marriage to the to the father, to the husband, such a circumstance, the violation is only one. It's the biological connection of her being your mother. No, but one second, there's a halachic ishut connectedness to the father as well. There's not. She's lo reuya. Mai says the Gemara. What are you talking about? Those are nice words, kind of that she's not appropriate. What's the specifics? My quote unquote in Uyalo. What's the situation? Ilema, perhaps you'll tell me it's Hive Kritot Vahive Mitot Bedin. Miklaud Rabbanat Savrea Fagab de Naru Yalo. Ha letle kidushin de gava. Perhaps it's a circumstance where where the woman is where the woman comes with the violation it's a sister it's uh, um, lots of other wrongful situations a mother whatever the situation is the father had relations with a woman for whom he is liable to and through that there's this child who in turn terribly has incest now with his mother but it's only his mother. Why is it only his mother? Because the relations with the father initially don't create a halakhic entity known as marriage or engagement. Didn't you just say it's a father-mother-mother relations? Now, why do you have to go down this whole road? Because we want to find, the answer is we want to find, and this is all set up, we want to find the case where Rabbi Udan Chachamim are going to disagree. In your situation, everybody's going to agree. Right? Which is the answer to this as well. So in other words, we could have started it your way as well. We could have said Pinuya, but we don't start it that way because we're leading up to something. But indeed, and was, that the answer would be there wouldn't be a mahloket there, just like there's no mahloket here. Says the, says, says the Gemara, wait a second, the Hachamim are going to disagree? Hachamim are going to consider such a wedding situation to be a verified halachic wedding? That's not a halachic wedding. It's Hevekeritot mitot petin. There's no kidushin tofsin in such a situation. As a result, how could the Hachamim possibly say that your Hayava Eshetav, she's not Eshetav, rather Ela, here it is, Teddy, but I'll see you. It's rather in a circumstance where it's In other words, it's not that the punishment of these relations is karet or mita. It's rather a mitat, it's rather love, lashes, not supposed to do. What's an example of such? The classic example is Almana, a widow, to Kohen Gadol. Mamzer to Yisrael, Natin to Yisrael. In any of those three circumstances where the Torah says, don't do this, but no punishment, what's the halacha in such a situation? It goes like this. Rabbi Uda links himself up to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, this, uh, this Kohen, got ma- Kohen Gadol, got married to an Almana. This Yisrael got married to a Mamzer. Or this woman got married to a Mamzer. Whatever those circumstances are, to a Natin, says Rabbi Akiva, that was a wrongful act, and as a result, no kiddushin. Says Rabbi Uda, that's my man. Rabbi Akiva is my guy. That's why there's no chiyuv over here for Eshetav. She was never married to your father. But she was married to them. No, she wasn't. But we said, it meant nothing. It was Lavin. Whereas the Chachamim say, listen, 
when there's mita, when there's karet, when the Torah says the severity of this action is punishable by death, by God, or by human beings, there, there's nothing. You did some actions, that was nothing. If it's a love, the Torah says you weren't supposed to do that. You're going to get lashes for it. But there was something effective in that marriage. It did get going, and as a result, it was a halachic marriage, and therefore the hayuv of the son who has relations then with that mother is twofold. It's eshet ha'av and em, but eshet ha'av being one of them um, uh, certainly in play because hevel lavin for the chachamim who disagree to be akiva it has kiddushin tovsin. In short, what do we conclude the Gemara with over here for our purposes? And we have a little bit more of this on the whole Amud to come. Mahlok between Rabbi Yudan Hachamim, which we're understanding is defined by Hyevel Lavin, Almanal Kohen Gadol, Yisrael Mamzer, Lenatin. In those circumstances, there's a Mahlok between Rabbi Akivan Hachamim long before or parallel to Rabbi Yudan and Hachamim. And the question is whether kiddushin or tovsin in such a circumstance. The situation comes up throughout. Talmud. Here it is again. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.